All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Um, sorry, Tim. I'm not in a good mood today. John, what happened? It was a tough weekend. It was a, it was a, it was a heart-crushing weekend. I, I, I went into the weekend with so much optimism, and it was just sucked out of me by Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. It was, it was tough. It was tough. The Bills, you know... I don't think they played their best game, but the Chiefs were the better better team. So the Bills lost. They they're not going to make a Super Bowl appearance. They they had a good season, but it's that's it's tough, you know. And uh, I guess we'll get them next year. Bills Mafia. It it was a tough loss. I'll just say this: it wasn't fun to watch that game. I signed up for CBS All Access. I, I watched it in my living room with my fire roaring. I was expecting good things. They started off nine nothing. Had a doink of an extra point. That's when I was like, oh, no, this, this is, this, you know, could be trouble. Nine nothing, and then the Chiefs scored the next, like, 30 points. So I was like, oh, gosh, this is – and it was over. It was over before it started. The Chiefs are the better team. What can I say? I don't know how you don't cover a, a guy. Cover Travis Kelsey. I don't know how hard it is. You take a guy and you put him right beside him. You trouble – you cover Tyreek Hill. You put two guys on him. Bingo, bango, bongo. You win the game. I don't know. I should be a coach. Did you watch it, Tim? Did you watch the game? I watched bits and pieces. I watched the whole Bucks um, uh, Green Bay game, but I did not watch much of the second game. I kind of once it was, it was like a three score uh, lead. I just turned it off. I'm like, yeah, this is it. It's yeah, done. they did get the onside kick. That was fun. And then they the shenanigans happened after that. The Bills started to it. It got a little chippy. It got a little chippy, and I don't like that. Once the game's out of hand, I, I didn't really care for that when I played hockey too. Once the game's out of hand, it's the third period. You're up by four. Don't try to be tough now. You know what I mean? You should have did it in the first period. I, I don't like that jazz. I've never been one guy be like, oh, we're getting blown out. Let's try to be, you know, let them, let them send them, let's send a message. Let them know we're, we're not going to lay down. It's like, yeah, you, you guys, you lost. We lost the game. I'm not going to go out there and try to cause a stink and get my pims. I, I wasn't that kind of player. Whereas other guys were. We're like, we're going to get some pims, bad the stats. McGratton was. He talked about that on our show. Like yeah. he said, at the end of the game, he's like, hey, it's time to put my minutes up. Time to get 10 minutes. Misconduct. You know, tell the ref to take a trip and 10 minutes. I'll see you, I'll see you in the showers. Uh, that wasn't my uh, MO. I didn't like doing that. But anyways. Moving on. Anything else, Tim, you want to add to the Bills' defeat? I, I, can, I can just no. tell you're salivating. 
No, it was a great season. Um, Josh Allen's not going anywhere. The Bills aren't going anywhere. And I don't think – I mean, losing to the Chiefs is nothing to scoff at or hang your head about. I'm curious now, like, who do you who would you have liked, Bills versus Bucks no, in two Bills weeks? Have, the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl regardless who have went. You know, whether it was the Bills or the Chiefs, they were going to win the Super Bowl. The AFC is a stronger division. It's just – it's it is – so Have I, you seen some of the um, the stats of Tom Brady and how crazy this whole thing is? Like the new ones that have come out in the last day or two. He has as many NFC Championship wins as Rodgers and Breeze, and he's been in the division, the the uh, conference for one year. It is. It's pretty just. Nuts. It's insane. It I is saw insane. one where there was some guy in Seattle who was chirping Brady about like, well, you know, you're in the AFC. That's easy. Let's see what you do in the NFC. And he's just like in the Super Bowl first year, you know, like facial. So he's amazing, Tom Brady. He honestly is. He even when he plays bad, you know, he hasn't carried the team to victory. He's just done enough to get the job done. Like he he played mediocre last game, but the Bucks had a good defense, a couple big stands, and away we go to the Super Bowl. It's exciting. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. I'm going to watch. It's going to be a. I hope it's a good game. But I just think the Chiefs are just going to crush them. They're just too good. They're too skilled at too many positions. Their defense seems to be kind of coming around when they need it to come around, and they're just too good. What are we doing talking to football on the hockey podcast, Tim? It's just top of mind right now. But we did have some huge hockey news over the weekend, didn't we? Before we get to that, who are the Patriots going to get to be their quarterback? There's a lot of good quarterbacks on the market. They got Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson. He's out there. Who are they going to get? Well, there's another name that got thrown into the ring last night after that loss. Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Not a chance. He's still signed with Green Bay. The coach said you're coming he's, back. He already he's like, I don't know about my future. I think I have some hard decisions to make, and I've enjoyed my time here. I mean, maybe it was just a, a little bit of a, a weak moment and a crushing defeat, but I think he's going to explore. I think he's going to explore the market. I think the Pats are more than a quarterback away from being contenders again. Not if it's Aaron Rodgers. That's true. He is pretty good. He's he is pretty, pretty good. good. But, yeah, let's talk about the, the other major news in the sport that actually matters, not this silly ball, the game where they throw a ball around and bash each other in the head. So we finally got a closure to this massive drama between Pierre-Luc Dubois, the Columbus Blue Jackets, John Tortorella throwing this kid under the bus, Dubois getting benched, potentially being a healthy scratch, blah, 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 blah. Big trade, Patrick Laine, Dubois. Initial thoughts, who wins this trade, Tim? Just surface value, who wins this trade? Columbus also got um, some young kid who's apparently good. They gave up a third rounders. But mainly the main pieces involved are Lining, Dubois, two stud players in their prime. Line is a winger. Dubois is a centerman. Go. Uh, okay, who wins the trade? I go back and forth on this because in one, in one sense, like Line A has already had like some incredible high-scoring seasons. He's still so young. It's hard to find a young, talented, scoring winger like that. They don't come on the market very often, and I think he's, uh, he's going to be an elite scorer in this league for many years to come. So it's like, okay, that's something that's hard to find. On the flip side of that, what have we talked about many times, right? What what wins championships? You need Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's the number one center, and he's going to be a two on the Winnipeg Jets behind Mike, Mark Scheifele. He's strong. He's big on the puck. He uh, can play both sides. He can log the heavy minutes. He's a stud. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a wash. I think that both guys needed 
uh, a change of scenery. I think both guys needed another system, another coach, another team, um, and the teams needed that too. So I know it's kind of a lukewarm answer, but I, I literally have been going back and forth all weekend, and I can't choose. So wh- why? Who did you think? I, I think Columbus wins this trade. I really do. I, I think in today's market, in today's NHL, it is harder to find a high-end scoring winger who can put the puck in the net consistently and you don't have to worry about it. You can set it and forget it and just you know he's going to put up 35-plus goals every single year. There are more centermen in the game who play a complete game. And Dubois is, a, is an exciting player. I've said it here many, many times. He's a stud. He's 22, 23 years old. He is not even in the prime of his career. He's going to do great things in the league. Having said that, how many players are there in the NHL who can put the puck in the net like Patrick Laine? Over the last three to four years, there's only a handful of guys who have scored more goals. I think the list is seven. And we're talking about guys who are legit superstars. The Ovechkins, the Patrick Canes, the Stamkoses, the John Tavares, like legit superstars in this league. And then you got Laine's right there with them. So if I'm just grading this on paper, how it's going to impact my team, sure, they're both going to benefit, you know. They obviously didn't want to be in the cities they were in. Line A made it known a couple of years ago he wanted out of Winnipeg, and Dubois made it well known to everybody this year he wanted to trade. And we'll see how it turns out. I just think the market for a winger, especially a scoring winger, is a lot thinner than it is for a centerman who does what Dubois does. So I think Columbus, again, makes a good trade. I like this trade for Columbus. This is... I don't think it alters their trajectory this year, but man, in the years moving forward, this is going to be a good move for them. And then like we said last episode, or we, we were just talking maybe between episodes, how is he going to fit in a Tortorella system? How is this going to affect his game? Because like we said with Dubois, Torch is a hard person to play under. He's very demanding. He has a certain way of playing. And he said this in the media why Dubois wasn't playing. He's like, listen, I, I've worked with this kid for three years. He's a talented player, but he has to play the way I want him to play. That's it. Everybody has to play my way. If they don't play the Columbus Blue Jacket way, they're not going to play. I'm not going to dress them. They're going to sit on the bench. They're going to be healthy scratches. Do you think this Finnish kid who has a flair for the dramatics, he's already a superstar. He is like had parades for him in Finland. When he was almost going to break Timo Solani's rookie scoring record, Finland was going nuts. Like he's a, He is Wayne Gretzky in Finland right now. Do you think he's going to come into Columbus and change the way he plays his game? No, he's going to go in there. He wants to score goals. He wants to celebrate. He wants to have fun. It'll be interesting to see his just how, how that works out, how that relationship works out if the GM pulls towards the side and be like, hey, listen, we need to let this – this kid play his game a little bit, or if he has to mold his game and start playing some defense, start back checking, start coming back through the middle. You know, Torts loves to put his best players on the penalty kill. Do you think Line is going to want to get in that shot lane when Shea Weber's winding up in the Northern division? I don't think so. So just for that reason, I think Columbus wins it if they let Line A be Line A. But if they don't, then I think it's, it's it's a pretty fair wash. It's a good trade for both teams. 
I mean, we kind of joked about like, okay, Liney is going to be a third liner on in Torch system. He's just torches. He's not Torch's kind of player. Maybe that's extreme. But do you think there's any chance that he falls out of the top six, just not willing to do what Torch wants him to do, and try maybe trying to? There's a little ego clash there. Oh, without a doubt. I think he falls out of favor pretty soon. You know, he's going to give him some rope. He's going to give him a chance. There will be some adjustment period. You can't just expect him to come right in there and, you know, play the way Torts wants him to play. Torts is going to give him a chance, see how he plays, figure out a way to work with Patrick Laine. And then he's going to start to lean on him a little bit. He's going to get in his ear. He's going to show him on the video. He's going to, you know, embarrass him. That's what he does. And, you know, Torts doesn't motivate by coddling people. He doesn't motivate by taking you aside and be like, you know what, we love the way you play. Could you please just, you know, kind of, you know, we really want you to pick up that defenseman when, when it's in our zone. You got to stay high. He doesn't motivate like that. He's going to scream at you. He's going to embarrass you. He's going to air his laundry in the media. And if you don't get it, you're out. That's how, we have, that's how he works. He's, he's, he's never been one to be shy about his feelings towards his players. And the media know that. And if, if you're... you're I was going to say, if you ever watch an interview with Torts, they love needling him. They love to like just throwing out a little piece of bait and then Torts grabs it and they got him and he loses his mind. And when he's in that, that emotion of anger and frustration and he just wants to leave, that's when he starts spewing the truth. And it's, and it's interesting to see what comes out because he just like fires truths and he'll, he'll let you know. He's like, Line, yeah, he's not going to play. He's not going to play. He's not playing my way. I'm not going to put him on the ice. Why? He's a liability. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how long that relationship lasts before there's cracks. Because I think he gives him a few weeks to a month, and then if he doesn't play his way, look out, boy. Because Lion A doesn't seem like the type of kid who's going to keep his mouth shut either. Like He seems like he's got a you know, pretty strong ego as well. So that'll be an interesting dynamic to watch. It would be interesting to go back and do some research. And, and actually, maybe I should do this. Is like how many guys have scored 40 goals under Tortorella ever? Oh, that's a good one. You know, right? Yeah. Because like, cause you got to think, like I'm thinking from a fantasy hockey perspective, like line A, even if he does log the full minutes and, and plays into Torch's favor and stays on the top line, he's still going to have a little bit of a, of a decrease in productivity just because of the way that co- he coaches, right? He's trying to win one nothing. So, uh I got to think that his, his value goes down a little bit if it, from a fantasy hockey perspective, no? I would think so. I, I think the opportunities will go down just because – and A, the, I think the main point is he doesn't have the talent like he had in Winnipeg. If you look at Winnipeg's forwards, they are loaded up front. Like you're playing with Wheeler. You're playing with Shifley. You're playing with guys who can get you the puck a little um, and Ehlers. Like they have some high-end forwards who can make plays. And when you go to Columbus – you're getting decent players, but not to the same level as you had in Winnipeg. Columbus is molded around their defense. They have one of the best decors in the league. They have strong, responsible forwards who can put the puck in the net. Don't get me wrong, but they're not as exciting as the Winnipeg Jets. Like even they have a Connor, a cop, like they have a good, good team, the Winnipeg Jets. So just that add on that Tortorella system, I think his numbers will be affected dramatically. Yeah. So, and what's interesting too is I was following uh, Craig Button on Twitter, and someone called him out because he said on TV that the Jets now have the best one, two, three punch at center. And this person said that Matthews, Tavares, and Kerfoot, and it's not even close, are better. And Button had a really, really nice response. He said, FYI, Shifley is a superstar. More points per game than Matthews and Tavares for the past five seasons. 
Dubois is a legit number one center. Lowry's a terrific third line center. Add in the $14 million total cap hit for the trio, and you're right, it's not even close. Really good points being made there. Yeah, and then you have a, a Stasny to throw in there as well. So I think they they have one of the stronger center cores in the league. I like the way Winnipeg's set up. If only they have some defensemen. That, that's, that's their Achilles here right now. They have a fantastic goaltender. They have an unbelievable crew of forwards. They don't have any defensemen. Like, they, they really don't. Their number one D-man's Pionk. They, they just have nobody else. And it's sad. They have Morrissey. It, it's just, it's, it's too bad. Five years ago, if they would have had that D-crew with these forwards and this goaltender, it's a Stanley Cup team. But they have nobody, and that's, that's their Achilles heel. Isn't it funny how many teams in Canada have terrible defense? Like, it is glaring. When you, when you think about teams, like, what's their weakness? It's their defense. We talked about it with Edmonton. We talked about it with Toronto. We talked about it here now with Winnipeg. It's like if you can just get a couple of good defensemen, you're set. And that's still the case. It's, it's just it's striking how our defensemen just, they're not, not out there. Is that the thing? Like when kids grow up, they just want to be forwards. They want to, you know, put the puck in the net and do toe drags and do cool stuff. And no one wants to be a defenseman anymore. Is that what it is? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. It's, maybe maybe a like little it. bit. Yeah. Because when, when you look at drafts, when you look at prospects up and coming, it's very rare where you see a draft loaded with defensemen. You know, there's probably one or two kids who are going to get picked in the first 10 picks. It's all forwards. It's all high-end guys who can put the puck in the net. Gone are the days when there's going to be like two out of the top five, three out of the top five who are defensemen. And we used to see that, you know, 10 years ago when the Shea Webers, the Duncan Keiths, the Drew Dowdy's, those guys came out. It was, it was exciting. Like the D-man, they were, you wanted to be a defenseman. You wanted to be a guy who would go out and crush the puck and have big hits and log the big minutes and just, you know, take the puck coast to coast. I don't, I don't see that anymore where you have good young players coming in who are defensemen. You know, there's some, but not as many as there used to be. Maybe it's just a sign of the times. Kids don't want to work hard anymore, Tim. They just want to dangle and not get hit. They don't want to go back and get the puck. That's don't even get me started. Ugh. Don't even get me started. What it did got me, get me thinking of is it's very rare where you see two players swapped during a season who are in the prime of their career. And it, and it made me think, when has this happened before? And has it ever turned bad for a team? And they totally regret doing it. So I, I did a little digging. I went back and, I, and I, I didn't want to go back to the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, you know, and pick a random trade. Well, you know, Eric Lindros got traded for Forsberg and Sundin and 500 draft picks. And obviously Philly lost the trade. Or, oh, Joe Thornton got traded for Marco Sturm and Primo. And then obviously Boston lost the trade. I, I didn't want to do that. Those trades would be to death. And honestly, I think half our listeners don't even realize those guys got traded. Well, Wayne Gretzky got traded for this and that. So I wanted to keep it relatively new. And I picked five or six trades that I let's, let's just kind of sink our teeth into and see if it is a good idea to trade superstars. And is there any downside? You know, because these are two great players. You would think that they're just going to have a change of scenery and continue to be great. And everybody's a winner. And some of the trades we'll talk about, everybody's a winner. Some of the trades, there's a distinct loser. And it's amazing that that trade even happened when you look back on it. Okay, first one. One that I think both teams are a winner is we're talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets are involved in this trade. I figured we'd start with them. Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. It seems like a long time ago that Seth Jones was on the Nashville Predators. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to believe that he was on that team. But he was. And the Ryan Johansson was with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Obviously, Nashville needed help scoring. 
Columbus likes Seth Jones, and they made a swap. That was four or five years ago. Looking at that trade now, you, you, you think Columbus won that trade hands down. Ryan Johansson is a good, serviceable player. You know, uh, I would say he's a top 25 forward, maybe a top 30 forward in the NHL. What do you think? Maybe he's no, a little too generous. I, I mean, a little too generous. He's probably like a top 20 center. Top 20 centerman, maybe top 50 forward. So I would give him that. When he's on his game, he's very good. He's impactful. You notice him on the ice. Seth Jones has turned into a legit Norris contender every single year. He is exciting. He is dynamic. He anchors the back end. What I just said about defensemen makes him even more valuable, or they're just few and far between to have a really, really stud defenseman who can do everything. Not just quarterback your power play, not just be a minutes muncher who blocks the puck and you know kills penalties. For a guy to do it all and to do it consistently and to do it for 30 minutes a night, that's very rare. And Seth Jones is that guy. So when you look at that trade, it's like, how would you make that trade? It's bizarre. But back in the day, they needed some scoring. Columbus took advantage of it. They got Seth Jones, and away they went. Columbus has benefited from that trade immensely. He's anchored their back end for years now, him and Warinsky. So I think, that's a, I think both teams benefited. But when you got to cut a clear winner and loser, Columbus wins that trade hands down. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean it's it's close. It's not a blowout. It's not a disaster. They're they're both good players, but I would for sure give Columbus the edge for Seth Jones. I love that guy. He's a I great know. great player. Yeah, the first few I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up are mostly both teams benefited. All right, everybody, listen up. Your company's salary cap is probably tighter than it's ever been, and you can't afford to miss on a new hire. Every person you add needs to fit just right, just like Tim does on the podcast. He fits perfect. That's where Indeed helps. You hire great people faster. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality short list faster. Now you want your quality short list fast? You need Indeed right now. Listen up. Our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed's best offer anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. One trade that I looked, I, I saw this one. I was like, this, this trade happened? I didn't even realize this. You know, we're going back a little bit further, but not too much. Martin St. Louis for Ryan Callahan. Oh, yeah. Wow. So it was right before the trade deadline. Both teams were in the thick of the, the playoff hunt. And Marty St. Louis just was tired of playing for torts. Or excuse me. Yes. And he wanted out of Tampa Bay. The Rangers wanted to get rid of Callahan. They were kind of moving on. They swapped them. And so Marty went to New York and Callahan went to Tampa Bay. Maybe I got the torts reference. So maybe Callahan was sick yes. of torts. Yes, that's what it was. And so they, they did a swap. Both teams benefited. Obviously, Callahan had some injury issues with Tampa Bay, but he played well. You know, he, he gave them what they needed. They needed a little grit. He, he went there. He did his job. St. Louis went to New York, produced, almost won the cup. So it, it, was, it was a good trade for both. It was very, very surprising to get players of their caliber at the deadline to be swapped like that. That was a strange one for me. Yeah, I completely forgot about that trade. All right, another another. This one involves more than one and one. It was it was one of the rare swaps where you're sending 
two stud players for a group of really, really good players. And this was, there was some controversy for this one because the reason these guys got traded, there was, there was some extracurricular activities happening in Philadelphia. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And the ownership thought it was affecting their young stars. They wanted to get these guys out of town. And so the Philadelphia Flyers traded Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, who were in their prime at the time. Absolute productive players, gets up and down the ice like star players. Richards was a stud, stud centerman. Jeff Carter still to this day can fly up and down the ice. He scores goals and he's gorgeous. So Mike Richards and Jeff Carter get traded for Wayne Simmons, Braided Shen, and Jakob Voracek. At the time, everyone thought Philly got fleeced. They're like, what are you doing training these two guys? They're absolute studs. L.A. went on to win cups. Richards and Jeff Carter were a big part of their cups. Lo and behold, when you look at the trade from a big, big vantage point, Philly did okay. They got Jakob Voracek, who still is a solid cog in that team. Wayne Simmons played for them for years, was a good player. Braden Shen, you know, serviceable player, big body, throws it around. Puts was it Braden or Luke? Braden. So he's a good player now. He's, he's doing real well. Yeah, so I think at the end of it, both teams benefited because L.A., they won a few cups. But Flyers, the, the long-term you know, assets they got worked out pretty well. Yeah, this, this is a, that's a fun trade, too, because you think about, like, obviously all the rumors that happened back then and, and who said what and what was going on in that room. But those guys, I mean, they went to the perfect situation. They left a messy situation, and then they went to L.A., warm market, like huge city. They're hanging out with celebrities, win a couple cups. Like, what more could you ask for? (laughs) (laughs) I know. It worked out good for everybody. Um, I wonder what Richard is doing now. I don't know. He's he's a guy that came up a lot. Remember that question we asked last year? Like, who's a player that people don't realize how good he was? Yeah. He's, he's, he came up quite a bit. He was a good, good player, to, hard to play against. I know. And then who knows where he is. But anyways, moving on. Now, these are some trades that did not work out for both teams. Oh, your Boston Bruins, Tim. It's an obvious one. Tyler Sagan going to Dallas. Louis Erickson coming to Boston. Boston. Boston gives him a boatload of a contract. He never lives up to it. Tyler Sagan plays unbelievable in Dallas, still still being really, really competitive. He's putting up good numbers. Well, not great numbers like he did in Boston or his early years in Dallas, but he's still a good, good serviceable player. Lou Erickson, if is he on the taxi squad with Vancouver? I think he's on the roster, but he's, he's, he's third or roster, fourth line. But he's not playing well. So this was a, a trade for – I wouldn't call Lou Erickson a superstar at the time, but it was a trade where Boston, they just couldn't handle Sagan. I, th- I think they were worried about him being a bad influence on the younger guys, the culture. You know, there's a certain way they go about things in Boston. They shipped them out, and it didn't work out too well. Why does Boston do that? I don't know. I don't know. Like, what is it in the water in Boston where they just don't like keeping, keeping their talent? I wish I had an answer. This is one of the most frustrating things. I'm actually looking for – I sent out like a rapid-fire series of tweets when I heard about the Sagan trade like all those years ago. And I'm trying to find it because I think it sums up my the argument really well. But the short side of it is like when you've got a player of Sagan's caliber, so young, affordable contract, wants to be there, you got to make it work. you got to figure some things out, right? You can't just like ship him out because he's not buying into one way or the other way. Remember that the, uh, the audio that came out from the Bruins front office meeting right after they lost the Stanley Cup in 2013 to Chicago? 
and I don't remember if it was Neely or someone else, but they basically said, and this was released, they said if he gives us like a quarter of what Patrick Kane did, we win that series. But he couldn't do Oof, it. I don't remember that. You can't be – that can't get leaked. That's a bad look for the whole organization. I don't remember if it was leaked or if it was like just openly said in a little – one of those little mini-series documentaries or what. But, yeah, that was, that was out there. The Bruins are too – they're too full of themselves. They, they think they're better than they actually are. Like they haven't won a cup in a decade. Okay. You know what I mean? It, it's not like they're still on the same level. Yes, they're competitive. Yes, they make a run of that every, every year. They – I don't know. I think they won that cup – and then they drank that Kool-Aid for years and years and years where they thought they were the bomb. And it's like, no, you know, you're not. You won one Stanley Cup. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Like, you're not a, a dynasty team. You're a good team who won it one year. And if you think about it, they should have not won that. Vancouver should have closed it out. That should have been a Vancouver Cup. But what are you going to do? Anyways, they won 4 nothing in Game 7. I'm not going to have that on my it show. It got to Game 7 because Vancouver dropped the ball. Anyways, moving on, another trade that's a complete disaster for a team that absolutely loves making disaster trades and disaster draft picks, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. We see this trade. At the time, everyone gave it a good head shake. Adam Larson was, a, it was and is a good defenseman. Taylor Hall, like we talked about Patrick Laine, he is a stud winger who puts points on the board. They're very hard to come by. He consistently does it. People to this day are still shaking their head in Edmonton. Why did we do that? I don't understand. I, I think this one's been beat to death. It's just a bad look for Edmonton. And Larson is definitely not living up to Bill. He, is, he struggles mightily night in and night out. You know, He's a good defenseman, but he is not a 1A. He is not a 1A. Taylor Hall is a 1AA, where he is in the MVP candidate year in, year out. He's a game changer. If anything, Adam Larson... If he's going to impact the game, it's going to be on the negative side. So <laughs> any, anything to add about that one? No, no. We talked about that one. All right. P.K. Subban, Mike Weber. This Shea, one, I think, Shea Weber. Shea Weber, excuse me. This one, was, this one was the strangest one to wrap my head around. That was so weird when that happened. It was two legit superstars, much like Dubois and Line. Um, but I, I think – we talked about it before. Subban, I think, just fell out of favor with um, Montreal, where he maybe got a little too big for his britches. And much like Boston, Montreal doesn't like guys who have a big personality, who maybe are getting a little bit bigger than the team is. And PK started to do things that bothered the, the organization. Montreal is a very conservative town, and they didn't like PK doing too much stuff on the side. And they said, you know what? It's a distraction. Even though it was good stuff, you know, he started the PK Subban Foundation, this and that, and he's donating money. It's great. And they didn't like that. They wanted everything ran through the organization, and PK wasn't doing that, so they shipped him out. They said, see you later. PK has been a disaster ever since that trade. He, ha he has been a shell of himself. I don't know if he, he doesn't like playing in a market as small as New Jersey. It was Nashville. Who knows what it is? He loves starring on Hockey Night in Canada when the lights were the brightest, and he has just struggled. When this trade happened, I lambasted the Nashville Predators, or excuse me, the Montreal Canadiens. I said, this is a terrible trade. You guys are going to lose this trade. The way the league's going, PK is going to be a star. Shea's not going to be able to keep up. I am eating my words. I'm, I'm you know, not proud enough to say Shea Weber has surprised me. He's played so good the last five years. He has overplayed expectations by a mile that I put on him. He, he has been an anchor to that decor, and he keeps – 
getting better. You know, there's, there's no drop off in his play where I thought he would just slow down. Well, I was about to say the same thing. When this happened, I'm like, P.K. Subban was at, what, 24 at the time, maybe something like that, 23. He was pretty young, and he's just already so good. And in Boston, we saw it all the time, including in the playoffs. I'm like, this guy is like an absolute just anchor on the blue line. He can play offense, he can play defense, big goals, big hits, so much fun to watch. And on top of that, if you remember, like, how big he was in the community in, in Montreal, I think, like, literally that week, he had just made, or that month, a just huge donation to one of the hospitals in Montreal, and like, some yeah. winger room or something was named after him right and and then he gets shipped away and uh he made a point obviously to like maintaining that relationship and with his city and all that but he hasn't been the same since and i remember thinking it was going to be a huge disappointment but then and for shea weber who was i i kind of thought like he's good he had kind of had a down year the year the trade happened i thought he maybe had like one or two more good years in him and i was like montreal is not close to winning a cup why would they trade a franchise defenseman for a guy who might be better for like one or two years, right? And then uh, they proved us wrong. And Trey Weber has proved me wrong, like you said, too. Like, he's, been, he's still putting up numbers. He's still logging the heavy minutes. Uh, and, and PK, I don't know, maybe something, maybe they just, Bergevin knew something was off about his personality or something, but he has been a shell of himself ever since. He's negative every year. He's putting up maybe 15 or 20 points. He was like, a, he was locked for like 60 points. He was awesome. He was, I don't know what happened. Something, it's all mental. It's got to it be mental. It is all mental. It does. And because that team in New Jersey was a good team. And I don't know what, it, maybe, <laughs> maybe their love life isn't going so well. Obviously him and Lindsey Vaughn broke up. Maybe he just needs a little bit of loving in his life to get it back on track. I don't know what it is, but whatever he's doing, it's not working because he is just, he's not PK Subban. He's just a, he's a guy who makes a lot of money and is just a, a bust of a contract. Sad. But it's sad, but you look at Montreal, they're the best team in the NHL right now. Uh, I know. They've, they've got 10 points out of a projected 12 they could have gotten. So 10 out of 12 points in your first six games, you're looking pretty good. You're leading the North Division. You have all these stud forwards. They they look unstoppable right now. They are the surprise of the league. They're playing very well. Bergevin finally got it right. I've been calling for him to get fired for years. And this offseason – he nailed home run after home run after home run. Toffoli looks like a natural. Anderson's doing exactly what they wanted him to do. The defense is short up. Carey Price is playing like a Vesna Trophy candidate. It, everything is going right. Corey Perry played in his first game the other day, and he scored. Like, everything they do works right now. Duran's playing with a little bit of energy. You know, he's got a pep in his step. Like, I am very impressed with Montreal Canadiens right now. And Shea Weber... Was he the catalyst for all this? No, but it doesn't hurt to have the big guy in the back end. Uh, what a rock. And yeah, they're, they're so good. Toffoli, I'm loving watching him. He put, he's putting up huge numbers, especially and he, he did it for um, Vancouver too. Since leaving LA, he's been really shining. So happy for that guy. I kind of thought that he was going to break out with LA. Never quite got there. So good to see him thriving now. And then Gallagher's a blast to watch. Josh Anderson, like we talked about. And then uh, Armia gets hurt. And then Corey, Corey Perry gets called up from the taxi squad, scores a goal in his first game. And has, I mean, he also gets a couple penalties because that's what he does. But he's just next guy up, right? And and uh, it's just fun to watch. And and especially now that they're not in the Bruins division, I can enjoy that team. So I'm happy to see them do well. And the Bruins have turned the corner. They're looking good. Yeah, they are. Pasternak feeling well. healthy. He he's was pain free today. This week. Yeah, he pain practiced free. this week with no injury jersey. So we'll see if he comes back and they can maintain, you know, a good scoring clip. You know, they might make the playoffs. I still don't think they will, but they, they are looking pretty good. They're, they're the Boston Bruins that we all expected them to be. We'll do one more. 
Um, Brent Burns to the Sharks. So a lot of people forget this trade. Brent was in Minnesota. He was, you know, he was a strange player where no one knew where he fit in. He was his generational talent where he was six foot six, could skate like the wind, had unbelievable hands. His discipline wasn't there. He was a little erratic, but you could tell the raw tools were there. And I don't think Minnesota really utilized him very, very well. They, they tried to mold him into a forward, and they switched him back to a defenseman. They tried to put him on forward again. They, they just didn't know how to work with Brent. And so they got fed up. They said, okay, we're going to ship him to the Sharks. They got Devin Setaguchi, who was coming off a good year, you know, scored some goals with Jumbo. They got Charlie Coyle and a first-round draft pick. So the big wow. piece in this one was Charlie Coyle. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this completely. Yeah, he was a first-round draft pick. He was coming in. He's a big body, gets up and down the ice. I think he's 6'3", 6'4", strong kid. But when you look at this trade, and I would say the seven years after, Brent Burns, he turned into a Norris winner, the best defenseman in the league for years and years and years, and transformed the Sharks into, into a Stanley Cup contender. He really did. They put him on defense. They said, let's go, you know? And they, and they, let, they molded their defensive system around Brent Burns. They let him take chances. They let him get up and down the ice, and they just let him go. And it was an instant success. And obviously, Brent slowed down a little bit. He's still a very exciting player. Charlie Coyle got shipped out of Minnesota. He's in Boston now. Devin Setaguchi had a short-lived run in Minnesota. I don't know who the first-round pick ended up being, but it couldn't have been a high draft pick because San Jose was pretty competitive during those times. So at the end of the day, this was a home run by San Jose. It absolutely was a home run. And you got to think, like, what? there's not many better players, especially during those years, to be a, a deep partner for Burnsy doing his thing than having Pickles on the other side, right? That stay-at-home, shut-down, trustworthy defenseman. It um, wasn't Pickles, but it was somebody. Yeah, Pickles was always with Justin Braun. But it was somebody who was a stay-at-home guy. And I'm not exactly sure. Was it a Scott Hannon or a Douglas Murray or whoever it was? But it wasn't Vlasic. I know that. It wasn't? It was, no, Vlasic and Justin Braun played together for a good – 10 years like they were they were freaking fracked those two so i i forgot that coil was drafted by the sharks and traded so how here's a, this thing has come full circle now coil drafted by the sharks traded to minnesota now he's traded to boston for ryan donato and then ryan donato was just traded to the sharks this this year so for everything burns <laughs> yeah right uh, uh, just, it, see, it's a revolving door you see burns's goal last night i did not was it a nice oh, one yeah he was one against five. He dangled everyone and uh, backhanded top shelf. It was really good. That's the thing you get with Burnsy. He he makes these plays that are absolutely incredible. You see the talents are there, but then you get a couple bonehead plays where he he tries to pinch, he jumps in the rush, he falls down, he, he tries to do too much, and then he gives up a two on one or a three on one, and it's it's in the back of his net. So you know you you give and you get with Brent, and that you kind of got to swallow the bad stuff to kind of get the good stuff. And Minnesota couldn't live with that. Jacques Lemaire was the coach. He liked a very conservative game plan. He liked the systems. He liked players playing a certain way. And when you have this kid who just is up and down the ice, unpredictable, that's not the way he, he liked to coach. So they had to get rid of him. It was a big mistake. You know, he, he could have been a superstar in Minnesota for years and years and years, but he's, he's doing it in San Jose right now. A couple other trades. I, I don't know. We don't have to dig into it. Blues getting Ryan O'Reilly changed the course of their season. Won the Stanley cup. I don't know. The Penguins getting Phil Kessel from Toronto kind of gets overlooked because Phil has one of these reputations. He transformed that team into a Stanley Cup champion. He averaged 75, 80 points a year when he was there, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. Same with TJ Oshie going to the Capitals, kind of pushed them over the hump. They won the Stanley Cup. Um, Zabinajad for Derek, Derek Broussard. Wow. It doesn't sound like a big trade, 
you know, Ottawa was interested in Broussard. Zabinijad maybe wasn't to his highest potential yet. Sent him to the Rangers, and he took off. Now he is maybe one of the most under the radar superstars we have in the league. He consistently puts He's up. He's so good. Yeah, Came out of he, nowhere. Yeah, he was with Ottawa. Broussard was the no name. You know, he was a sexy name. Ottawa maybe went for him. And look at Zabinijad. He's, he's just taken right off. So another big one, um, Erat for Philip Forsberg years and years and years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Capitals were making a push, and they needed Martin Erat, so they sent Forsberg, who was a rookie or a second-year guy, to Nashville. Wow. And obviously, Phil Forsberg turned into a, a stud player, and Erat, I think, played one or two years with uh, Washington, and that was it. So I don't know. A couple, couple cool trades. There's, there's lots more, but those are the ones I thought were relevant and kind of fun to talk about. So we'll see how this line A Dubois trade turns out. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to bring up one more thing. We talked the other day about Tyler Myers, his kind of bad hit on, on Joel Armia. And, and you said, good for him. We want the bad blow. We want his toughness. We want to see that side of his game. Did you see his fight the other night? I did. Yeah. What he do you think about himself. that? Yeah. Well, Tyler's not a fighter. You know, I'm glad he stood up for himself. He didn't win the fight. You know, he didn't get no. beat up badly, but I need to work with him. Good for him for answering the call, too. He, he, he backed up what he did. Yeah, he answered the bell. He stood up for himself. I'm sure that'll, that'll happen again, you know. But that's the thing. I've been rethinking this, you know, playing the same team back-to-back because I, I haven't seen the rivalries develop. I haven't seen the animosity. I haven't seen as much bad blood as, as I would like. It's and, so and, early, though. But it just becomes boring. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, these two teams again, they're going to do the same thing. I don't know. I don't know if I like it. I, I really don't because every time I check the, the ticker, I want to watch a game. It's just like, oh, uh, Buffalo's playing Washington again. Great. Or Toronto's playing Winnipeg. Great. Nothing's going to happen. It's going to be the same game I watched the other night. Like it, 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 it hasn't developed into the hatred that I was hoping for. And maybe that's just to state the league's in. There's no one to, to kind of generate that hatred and that bad blood. But it's too bad. The opportunity's here. We just need – I don't know. Players are so stinking soft nowadays. It drives me nuts. Like, honestly, if, if there was a back, I never played in the back-to-back in the NHL with two teams, ever. Like, in my nine years of the NHL, I can't remember one time where it's like we played the same team two games in a row. It just didn't happen. And so to have this opportunity to get some retribution, to get some, you know, vengeance if something happened, it's there. And players are they're not taking advantage of it. Do you think players are still kind of like feeling each other out a little bit, though? We're still in that like kind of first couple of weeks, no. a little bit of no, no, no. I just think they're they're just scared. Not scared. They just don't want to do it. They just don't want to stick their nose in there and get a get a, you know get a broken nose. It, it, I don't even want to get into it. Everyone's just scared. We got to keep a PG rating with this podcast. So let's just. You know, leave it at that. It's just sad. I, I think that the potential is there, but I just don't think there's the bodies to, to back it up. What would a line brawl look like now? Like a slap fight. It'd be embarrassing. Alexander like, Semin. Yeah, it'd be like a slap fight. Like, let's play patty cake and see who, you know, who the baker's man is. It just, whatever. Hockey's changed. I just need to get, I just need to embrace it and move on. I'm, I set my expectations too high. I really do. And this, I'm, I'm getting let down, much like the Buffalo Bills. I just need to embrace it. They're not a Super Bowl champion team this year. Maybe next year. So two more quick points here. Um, 
The Lightning Carolina game was canceled for tomorrow. Uh, Carolina's dealing with some COVID stuff. They've had multiple guys test positive, including some staff members and players. So that would be a situation to watch. And it's already happening. It's happening every week. Someone, someone team shut down. As long as the engine can keep going, we don't see this kind of across multiple teams all at once. I think we'll be okay. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? How about those Dallas Stars? Yeah. Two, two week extra training camp. They came out on fire. Klingberg, Absolutely. three assists, fantasy team. Like, unbelievable. Joe Pavelski, four points his first game, three points his second game. Hadobin like, with the shutout. Like, they, I did not expect that. But maybe that's, you know, it's, it's good. It's a benefit for them. They have an extra two weeks to get their systems down, get the kinks out. It, who knows? Maybe teams will get COVID on purpose just to get a little practice time in. That's what <laughs> Tampa Bay got a little break. They had a little COVID yeah. outbreak. They get to go get healthy, practice a little bit, and away they go. So maybe that might be a strategy. And last thing here, um, Bruins are playing the Capitals tonight, which means... Chara versus the Bruins. Yep. Another kind of tragic thing about this COVID is he doesn't get to go to Boston and be showered with applause and have a big tribute and have a big moment because you know that would happen. If he goes into the garden, the fans would just go nuts. It would be a whole thing. People would cry. It'd be great. It'd be all over the news. It would just be a moment. But now he has to go in there, and it's just going to be crickets, and they're going to do a tribute, and then there's going to get a stick tap on the boards for like seven seconds. You know, it just doesn't have the same feel. It's it's a travesty to the – it's not a travesty. That's a strong word, but it's just yeah. too bad. It's too bad because he does deserve it. He, you know, put in some good time there in Boston, but COVID's not going away, man. What you going to do? I thought it was going to be fixed when Biden became president. It's not going away. It's not going away. So, I don't know. That'll be interesting. See what kind. Imagine if he scores a goal or does something cool or, like, lights up Bergeron. Here's the question. He'll drop Pasternak. If he has Bergeron in the trolley tracks, does he he lay that hit? The same way he did to Max Pacioretty. No. Throws his head into the turnbuckle. Why not? No. No. Why not? I just know for, for so many reasons. What if he did though? I don't know who's, who's going to get in Charo's face. Well, no one's going to fight him on Nick Ritchie. Maybe he's playing really well. He's got five points already. A couple on the power play. Tubbs is doing well. Good for him. (laughs) I like that, but I know. Are you going to watch the game? Uh, if I can find a way to watch it. Yeah. It's not, it's not tonight. It's this week. I had the wrong date. All right. I might go by TV. Yeah, but by the way, I figured out uh, I have this antenna thing hooked up to my TV that I hadn't been using correctly, and I can stream the football game. Like I have the basic channel, so I was watching both games on my TV yesterday. So, wish I knew that for maybe next time. Yeah, that's the antenna, right? That's like circa 1980. Yeah, yeah. Someone lent it to me. Like, hey, if you want to get like 20 channels without paying for them, and I was like, yeah. Look at you, old school, bringing it. I know, right? I love it, Tim. You're so granola. All right, everybody. Well, I think we beat Patrick Line and Dubois to death. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Um, we will see you guys on Wednesday. Hope you had a good weekend if you're a Bills fan. You know what? There's always next year. And the, the future looks bright. That's what I could say. Look, not as bright as the Drop in the Gloves podcast, but close. Right, Tim? That's right. All right, everybody. Have a good Monday. We will see you, or maybe Tuesday. When is this going to get released, Tim? This is going to be released hopefully today on Monday. All right. Have a good Monday, everybody. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind the scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time. Oh.